For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Jay. Peter, did you know that the Olympics are a thing? A thing that the USA is winning at? No, I mean, that's that's really vague and and non-specific. But, uh, yeah. So, folks, uh, we wanted to start off today's fun uh, episode on uh, a little... uh, Pete, I'm still speechless because when you think about the Olympics, the Winter Olympics specifically, right? Yes. Every four years, uh, that's a long time. We're talking like maybe like fifths of your life at a time. Just to have Team Canada put up for the women's hockey four straight gold medals – and then on the cusp of making absolute history, the Lamaru twins firmly plant their feet <laughs> like Gandalf facing the Balrog and says, nah <laughs> So, yeah, folks, let's talk about Team USA and, 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 and the women's team because uh, the, the, the oops, I did it again thing uh, – the, the shootout move that, that Lamaru used. You know, I've seen that move used on a lot of people, Pete, and I'm sure you have too. But yeah. I don't think I've seen someone so thoroughly destroyed by it as I saw Zabados. Uh, just just in terms of, like, like think about how, what was it? I think it was Lars Eller or Linus Omark who basically retired Marty Biron with a uh, – with a with a move in the shootout, it was like he got scored on, and it was like absolutely ridiculous. And he's like, the next week he's like, I retire from the NHL. <laughs> so like I look at like even he did not go completely like like I have no like all of her equipment, Zavros's equipment could have flown off like in in a like she was trying to turn into Wonder Woman, but like it didn't work. Like her stick would have been at the one end of the ice, her glove would have been in the stands. Oh god, it was it was ridiculous. And, and, and plus, I mean, you, you have to remember, like, like it wasn't like she did this on like a goalie who's you know, like, you know, they're you know, like a third rate goalie or something. I yeah. mean, she's a fantastic goalie. You know, she's just phenomenal. You know, so to to beat somebody like that so cleanly, um, I think. I was I was thinking about this, and I think you know I'm not, I'm f- far from the first person to say this. Like you know, it's on Twitter, a, a bunch of different people kind of said the same thing. Is that like to me, this is like as iconic as the Forsberg postage stamp shootout winner. You know, like yep. it's not a new move, and 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 I and I don't think like Forsberg like invented that move, but you know he kind of popularized it. I guess you might say. Um, and you know, I mean, basically, it's it's a move that Athanasiu does on most of his breakaways, but just the the, the sheer execution. You know, it's I I can't really think of, of of a time where I've seen 
executed so well, whether in the men's or the women's game. It was just like that first move was just so good, you know, that the goalie had absolutely no chance. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it looks better in slow motion or in in real time. Just because, just oh my god! And then what is it? I think it was a day ago or whatever. Kucherov did like the no shot against Nashville or something. Just mm. okay. Let's do a little PSA real quick, Pete. Because first of all. These games should not be settled in a shootout, okay? I agree with that. I'd like to think that you agree with that. You're already making me stay up till 11 o'clock at night to watch this game anyway. What's the difference between continuous, never-ending OT? You you already have these games, like, at the back end of your Olympic schedule, so I don't think you had to clear the ice so that, you know, you had another mixed doubles uh, ice capades, all right? Like... I oh think, boy, you're gonna get some comments on yeah, that one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll that back and say <laughs> the figure skating is way better. I'm just I'm not <laughs> discounting it. I'm just saying all of the all of those events had already happened, which means like I understand right, it. Yeah. It's like earlier in the rounds. You you listen. We got listen. We got we got curling. We got uh, we got the the single program. We've got the free skate. We've got all this stuff going on. Like, we need to get these games going, sure. But for the middle round stuff, it should be five on five until the last breath is taken. That's how these games should be decided. So I happen to be in a certain media center recently hearing a, a, a contingent of Canadian brethren bemoaning the shootout. And I, and, I, and I had to just so gingerly say, hey, if you guys won by the shootout, I'm sure you wouldn't have a problem with it. And, you know, they were like, (laughs) on their jowls and stuff. So I think at the end of the day, as long as the rules are what they are, Team USA is superior. So there you go. I said it. There, I said it. I said it 100%. And I will say for the the one Canadian athlete that took the silver medal off and then got roasted, what is it about people with, like, the listen, like, Ooh, you won that. You need to honor it. I. This is the same thing as what's his face from the World Juniors who. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, and I mean, we talked about it then, and I have the exact same position I did then, which um, which is kind of interesting because like some of the people that roasted the, some of the people that roasted the Swedish guy are now defending the Canadian person, uh, and. Yeah, you know, a little bit of hypocrisy there. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they kind of backed into the correct position the second time, but who cares? You know, it, it, it's like this is this is something that these people prepare for for four years. You know, and depending on the sport, you know, it's you know sometimes they 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 you know spend their whole life for it. Um, you know, like if we're talking about obviously, I know it's a hockey podcast, but you know, Winter Olympics, the um, you know, probably the, you know, the, the crowning event, like the, uh, you know, the, the, the crowning achievement of each Winter Olympics is, you know, the the ladies figure skating. You know, like, like that's kind of like the one that, like, everybody is like, oh, my God, who's going to win? Um, you know, just like kind of like the classic events of the Winter Olympics, if you want to call it that. And it's like, you know, these young women spend so much of their lives, you know, they spend years, like, almost Every day, if not every day, for hours a day, just dedicated to this one thing, and they have like I don't remember exactly. It's like 
what, two and a half minutes or three minutes or whatever. And it's like, that's it. And it's like, and if you fall once and that's it, like you just lost the chance to, you know, earn your, uh, you know, the, the, to reach the goal that you've been spending so much time on. And, you know, these, these hockey players are no different. You know, they, they work their butts off. They play, you know, all the time and they work as hard as they can. And, you know, I mean, if I were, if I were her, I would be, I, I don't even know what I would feel, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. let her feel what she feels like, get out of her face. You know, yeah. uh, I, I just, I mean, I don't know. It, it bothered me with the Swedish guy, uh, you know, the, at the world juniors. And it bothered me w- where people were kind of getting on her case. It's like, leave her alone. You know, she's upset. She has every right to be upset and just, just, just let her be, you know, give her a break. Yeah, and I know that there's probably someone, like, decrying, like, the difference in the team. Well, he threw the medal into the crowd where all she did was take it out. Listen, as long as they're, like, not whipping out a blowtorch they had hidden in mm. some body cavity somewhere and melting <laughs> it down on the spot saying, this means nothing to me, all of you mm. suck, like, this is terrible. Mm. Like, I think they can do whatever they please with it. Um, again, this is... Let's let's not discount the fact that it was a flipping amazing game. Like staying up to all hours watching them play this game, and you know, just you know, a, a full twenty minute overtime. It just it was obnoxious how ridiculously fun this game was, and it's just it's a it was a growing game, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this it's more awareness. You know, just like I hope that the you know by the USA finally winning the World Baseball Classic. You know, it's. I'm, I'm sure that would have been the difference, or or the along the same lines as like if Canada lost on home soil back in Vancouver, right? Like, you know, now that you've got some USA champs in here, like let's, which isn't to say they weren't the first ones. Again, let's let's remember that Cami Granado's squad won the first ever gold, and so like Canada took that as like the ultimate insult and just like went on this crusade for 20 years <laughs> to to like yeah. get the gold, right? So like, yeah, they. They they asserted, it, but you know, times change, player turnover, and I just I think there's some necessity for disappointment in order to win on stages like this. And for all the times that Team USA has been on the short end of the outcome of this of the of these gold medal games, it was just really nice to see them respond the way that you want every storybook and everything to, to end. It's they face the adversity, they face down the rival, boom, there it is. And not only that, you had a full overtime period with like the dagger skating in uh, Marie Philip Poulin. Like she was mm. like, when I think about the miracle on ice, she was Canada's Trechak, right? Mm. Like she's just this lethal weapon that's going to be deployed at any moment. And you don't know how you're going to prepare for it. And, she wasn't able to to score another overtime winner for Canada again. So it's it's a beautiful day <laughs> here in in Team USA land, and I I, I couldn't be happier. And and to my yeah. cousin Andrew, who bought me a Crosby jersey after they won the Golden Goal, guess what, pal? You have a <laughs> nice you you've got some clothing apparel coming to you this year at the at the reunion. It's going to be great. I remembered your your shirt size and everything. You're you're gonna look look great in red, white, and blue. Absolutely. And um, speaking of speaking of clothing, 
I was going to do this at the end, but this is the perfect segue. And you know, I've been, you know, I, I want to, you know, you know, be a better host and a, a co-host, if you will, in this one. And so, you know, I'm always working on my segues, and so I felt that this would be a good one. The for sure uh, podcast team of Jay and I, we we have a a, a a merchandise store right now where you can buy for sure brand clothing. You can buy T-shirts and hoodies and. I, I, I actually bought a pillow for myself and my wife, um, and so we're gonna put the link in the thing in the in the in the uh, the article for this. Uh, if you follow either one of us on Twitter, you can see the link there. And the reason that I'm I'm kind of pushing this so much is that for the month of February, uh, because it is hockey is for everyone month, we are going to donate. Uh, Every dime we make, you know, for, for this stuff, you know, we make a little bit, you know, make a couple bucks a shirt or something like that. But, you know, we're going to donate anything we make for the month of February. Uh, and actually, you know what, Jay, I think let, let's, since this is going to come out almost at the end of February, we're going to increase that to include the first week of March. All right. So you have a couple, yeah. you know, you have a couple extra days. We're going to donate everything we make to the You Can Play project. You know, so that's a, uh, a, a foundation that is, is, uh, you know, dedicated to helping, uh, specifically the LGBTQ community, but also uh, other communities, uh, you know, with access to hockey equipment and the ability to play and support and all this stuff. So it's a really great foundation. It's a really great organization. So if you're looking for a way to support the podcast and to also support this this great organization, take a look at that. Um, you know, it's it's not something we're gonna we're gonna push all the time, but uh, you know, especially right now, we just want to make sure people are aware of that. Uh, it's and you know, I'm not just saying this just to say it. Like I I ordered some myself, of course. You know, I got a, a t-shirt and a hoodie and a pillow, and uh, I was really happy with the quality. So I, I think you'll like it too. Well, Pete, to, to to just piggyback right back onto that, much like the commercial from Ghostbusters 2, it's like, that's right, Egon, you mean the thermal mug with balloons for the kids? We're not just selling shirts, folks. You can buy tapestries. You can buy laptop sleep cases, mugs, phone cases, notebooks, and my personal favorite, the art. You can buy it as art. So for all you <laughs> for sure listeners out there who are severely lacking in the – uh, Lebowski-esque, it really ties the room together item, a just plain shield for the for shirt hanging on your wall will really bring your place back to center ice. It's, it's, yeah. it, it looks great. So, uh, and, and today's episode is also brought to you by SeatGeek. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe eventually we'll actually have sponsors. Uh, Who I, knows? I want sponsors because you and I are going to have so much fun doing our own reads for sponsors. I, yes, just, I I, th I think that would be a lot of fun. Yes, it will it will be. So uh, yes, once again, folks, you'll keep just keep an eye on our twitters and our in our uh, our articles here. The links will be. You're just gonna find yourself tripping over it like Christmas lights. It's it's gonna be. You're gonna see it. You're gonna love it. And 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 we'll come out with more stuff too because hey, we're we're a growing brand. We're trying to figure yeah. out other catchphrases that we can mercilessly make tens of cents on. It's great. So uh, just be on the lookout, and we thank you again. For for those of you who have bought, because there's a lot of people out there that have already bought some stuff, so we thank you for that. Your money is going very well spent to You Can Play. But for the rest of you, come on. In, in a minute, we're going to talk a little bit more about hockey, uh, Olympic hockey, but I, I just wanted to mention uh, every year, or every four years, I guess, 
um, the Twitter community, the especially the hockey Twitter community, um, becomes incredible experts on a sport called curling. And now in Canada, this is this is you know kind of more of a a year long pastime. This is more of a um, you know, a, a sport that, that people follow in Canada more than just every four years. But, you know, for, for us Americans, every four years we, we kind of get fascinated at the sport. And I always kind of think it's, it's, it's maybe because this kind of seems like a sport that, like, like you could do. Um, because it's like, well, I can sweep my floor. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> you know, I, I got a, I got a Swiffer. Now, t- to be clear, I'm, I'm being, humorous here hopefully i i am not i am not saying that it is actually that simple but you know like it's kind of one of those things where it doesn't really look that hard i'm sure it's it's very hard to be very good at it um but the reason i'm bringing this up is because i thought that it was such a cool story with the the u.s uh winning gold uh you know kind of out of nowhere from what i understand and there was a uh you know like the like the leader of the team he uh you know, he he basically failed the last two Olympics, uh, and then especially you know after 2014, from what I remember reading, basically the the U.S. organization like put some kind of system in place like specifically designed to get him out of the program, and he took that as a challenge. And I think I think what I, like what I was saying for what I what I remember reading, I think he lost 30 pounds. You know, he just you know worked as hard as he possibly could, um, and. So I thought it was, it was kind of cool. Like, you know, you always you always like to see, you know, the Olympics is a great place for underdogs. You know, underdog stories are always, you know, interesting. You know, you get a figure skater who kind of comes out of nowhere. You get the um, uh, the woman, I, I apologize, I can't remember her name, but the woman who I think is a snowboarder, and she just borrowed somebody's skis and, like, won a gold medal at the Super G. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, stories like that are, at least for me, like, that's why – the Olympics are so cool. Like that's why the Olympics are so fun. Um, and so I thought it was really cool to see, um, to see this, this, uh, this guy, uh, Schuster. Uh, was it John? Yeah. John Schuster. Um, the headline on SI.com is from Duluth. Yes. Yeah. John Schuster leads us's team of rejects <laughs> to Olympic curling gold. And as a fan of rejects, I, um, I, I watched the expendables two last night on TNT and, just, I mean, I mean, if you're talking classics, I mean, you know, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, um, between the two of them, they can have, you know, maybe one out of ten words be intelligible, um, you know, and then you just have, you know, other people, you know, Jason Statham, uh, and, and, and somehow those guys are all considered rejects, which kind of makes me feel a little bit uh, less good about myself, but that's another story. So, uh, so well, I'm disappointed in you that you're leaving out Van Damme because he was the best villain out oh, of those three. Oh, those absolutely. Three because not only is he like just it's it's Van Damme. It's the film that said in order to fight Van Damme, you must use a giant chain. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what Stallone was able to do to finally like wrangle him in. Like we're talking, you know, slow mo, drag the chain around your neck, wrap it around your forearms like you're going to be some like whiplash Mickey Rourke character, right? Because in real life, that's saying if you don't have a chain, Van Damme will kill you. So I'm mm. I'm shocked that chain sales didn't skyrocket after that film. But that's yeah. neither. I think there. um, I obviously don't want to to give any spoilers for um Black Panther, which by the way is fantastic and super awesome, and you should definitely go see it. 
because um, I, I got to see it yesterday, which is which is Friday, uh, you know, a couple days ago as you're listening to this. And I was very happy that nobody spoiled anything for me, so so I, I'm not going to spoil anything. But I just will say that I would really think it was it would be cool if they could put the um, the female general uh, from uh, from uh, Wakanda. I forget the character's name, but she has the shaved head and the the spear type thing. Yeah. Because just watching her do like in the casino scene, watching her do all the the crazy fighting tricks. I mean, th- that would be fun to watch her fight Van Dam. That would be. I, I would pay to see just a movie of that. Yeah, yeah. Okoye uh, would yes. definitely be the person to bring Van Dam to justice. So, <laughs> um, but. You know, there's. I would be really interested to see if curling would be uh, what level of ridiculousness curling would be if they used vibranium as uh, as the rocks instead of instead of the the ceramic stones that they they throw vibranium stuff. Then it just probably just turns into in a, in a pinball at that point where you know, <laughs> hey, just throw it as hard as you can, and then hey, you know, so it'll happen differently. But Pete, I was watching the the, the curling last night, and I must admit, you know, I think. As, as as you already said, the learning curve to figure out curling is just so astronomically accelerated. This uh, at times like this because you know, I, I, it, first of all, it's, it speaks to the testament of how the human mind can learn and still be a sponge, right? Like hmm. under, it, but under like an odd circumstance though, because we're basically saying under duress, you will remember why that throw was so important to knock him out of the button, right? Like, mm. one day you're like, eh, you know, it looks like they're just sliding on ice. And then, you know, four days later, you're like, I don't know if he's going to be able to curl up behind that one. I mean, they don't have the hammer on this on this round. And just, <laughs> like, you're able to just fluently just, like, step into to curling speak. So congrats to everybody who was able to pick up on the jargon uh, pretty quickly. But I must say the, 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 the five... Uh, rock end that they had in the eighth. Gosh, you know, like think about, think about the great Olympic moments. You know, like uh, the miracle on ice, or uh, you know, the like the one, just all these other great pantheon moments. And we we get to now have this awesome moment where I, I think it was uh, God, I forget I forget who said this, but I think it was Pat Mel Downey who said it's really nice to see. Uh, Hamilton, who basically is, what if Wisconsin was a person? <laughs> and uh, these, I mean, he first of all, it looks like he'd pull you over and, and, and ask you how fast you were going. And then uh, they, they had the live cam of the party that was happening in Minnesota, and everybody's awake, and it's like, it's four in the morning here, three in the morning there. And I don't know, it just, it's really nice to have curling be another thing that we can come together upon, right? Come yeah. together for. Yeah. So, uh right now. Yeah, right at over, over May. As we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um okay, so uh before we get to some trade talk because as you're listening to this, if you if you are one of the people that rushes to listen to this as soon as it's released, which is pretty much the the best way to listen to it. You know, it, it, it's it's going to be released on on Monday. Monday is the trade deadline, so we are going to talk a little bit about uh, trades that have already happened uh, and potential trades coming up. But before we do that, we just wanted to talk really quickly uh, about 
the the idea again of the NHL in the Olympics. Um, so Jay, now that we've seen a, an, a you know an Olympic uh, without NHL players, you know what do you feel like? Do you think that the NHL like like are you really hoping the NHL goes next time or what, what you know what are your thoughts on this? I think the most egregious error in all of this was that the NHL waited till like the last nanosecond possible to say, eh, we're not going to go. Thus forcing each of the country's hockey programs to like, geez, what's the, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the right word for this, but they basically had to put their heads outside of their window. Like JG went to and say, it's, my money and I want it now. Only they're screaming. <laughs> it's now time to uh, uh, actually uh, uh, get a team together. So the, I think the IHF and, and the NHL, and the Olympic Committee, really need to. If you're, if you you need to be able to give these teams and these programs the ability to actually put together a team that can, um, uh, at least in their eyes, compete. I'm not saying that they didn't think this team could compete, but you can't look at the time frame and say, like, yeah, they had absolutely enough time to vet and see all the people, all the players they wanted to see and do all the drills they, they want to do. Um, I am – again, it's obviously not a completely NHL-list tournament because basically there was a bunch of retired or just current ex-NHLers on a handful of the teams. You know, Marty Eretz on the – Czech Republic, Brian Giantis on USA. Every, you know, I felt like every former Russian that played for the Red Wings was on, is on Team Russia, and I feel like Sweden had to at least have the the, the remains of Sundin and, and Lidstrom somewhere in in the rink somewhere. It's it's a phenomenal tournament, and I think I saw one TV analyst say. You know, hey, this is you know, it's it's it stinks that the NHL is not there, and and they really need to get it back. And I was thinking, well, I don't know if they really need to 100% bring it all the way back. I am thrilled with international competition. Did I feel like I was missing something because the NHL wasn't at this one? I have to be honest, not really, because I still wanted to see. Like, it's not about what the NHL has to offer on the on the international stage. It's what these countries have to offer on the international stage. Because lest we forget, Germany was just stunned the Swedes. I mean, like, if there was ever a one, uh, like, I don't want to call it a mulligan moment because I feel like that just discounts it. But like, this is a, this is a once in a generational opportunity for pretty much all of the countries to ice team of nat of national players. Regardless of, of of playing level, you know, I think you know, obviously, yeah, Russia kind of had the monopoly a little bit with having the most, like the youngest and still current NHLers and stuff. But there's still a bunch of players that are just straight Russians there as well. Or sorry, they are the Olympic athletes from Russia, but according to Mike Milbury, they're just the Russians because if you're Mike Milbury, you live in your own privilege and you can just can say whatever you want, right? But yeah, the at, at the end of the day, I am. Glad I got to see this with my own eyes because I, I, in my lifetime, I, I never witnessed a, a NHL list Olympics. So this was, I mean, as close as we're going to get because it's not like they said, hey, if you ever skated or touched a stick that belonged to the NHL, you can't go to the Olympics. That's not what this was. But to have a mostly NHL uh, list uh, tournament 
I'm glad I saw it. I, I, I I'm I'm happy to take it away from it. I other than severe reservations about my own team, which are the power play and maybe some of you know the fact that you have James Wisniewski <laughs> like um other than concession other than concerns like that, I don't think this was a waste. I think this was a good space. You know, again, I I know guys like Jordan Greenway now. Like they're they're talking about in this another TV analyst was talking about like hey uh, I don't like it because you know I don't know anybody, dude. You live in the most information saturated time of your life. You can't use that as an excuse anymore. All TV is say had to do is say hey here's our roster, go look them up, and then you know what they are. I don't you know. This isn't, you know, back in the 70s where the Summit Series was tape delay and you had to broadcast it back to the other side of the planet, right? You can figure out who they are. We don't, we, nobody lives in a bubble anymore except for actual literal bubble people. But we'll talk about that in a different podcast. And we'll also talk about the moops. So. <laughs> <laughs> the card says moops. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to add too much more just because uh, of time constraints. You know, we, we, don't, we don't want it to be a, a two-hour show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, I do kind of want to see a best-on-best best tournament. Like, I think that's a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of feel – I like, I like the idea of having non-NHL players – um, I, I think I've heard some people say maybe do something where make this like a U23 tournament or something like that, you know, like yeah. have like an age limit. And I think I think that's definitely something to at least look at because I think that seems like it could be a, a good possibility. But we'll see. And it's now time once again for our Emmy, Grammy, Tony, Peabody, and Pulitzer winning segment interviews with important hockey people today. We are joined by Katherine Silverman. That's right. She is a writer for In Goal Magazine and The Athletic Chicago. We won't hold that against her. With a strong focus on a small, unrelated, and non-important position in hockey known as goaltending. You can find her on Twitter at at Kat M. Silverman. Kat spelled the traditional way, obviously, with a K and a numlaut. Just kidding. It's C-A-T-M-S-I-L-V-E-R-M-A-N. So uh, let's get this uh, party started. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. I mean, come on, you guys insult me right off the bat, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm here. Ready to go. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know about insult, maybe just like, you know, laying it all out there. I mean, hey, we, we you, uh, what, did you have an athletic before us? Was that, I, I feel like that was a thing. Did so, I? Like, I? I think the Athletic Chicago was a thing before the Athletic Detroit. So technically you got there before us, so... There's, there's the comeuppance I was so richly and deserving of. So I may have actually gotten there after the Athletic Detroit, though, because I vaguely remember telling Katie Strang that I was getting hired when she was already hired. So oh. I, I'm, I'm a latecomer. They, they added me this season. So right. Well, well, we'll let you have it anyway. Um, so, uh, it's, it's Pete. We should start off with the obvious elephant in the room. Question is that it's. The, the trade winds have been blowing, and with the recent development, I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard this. I'm sorry if you have to be the person to, if this is the venue that you're going to hear this from, because we all know social media these days travels at the speed of light. But we just, they just announced that every athletic writer is now eligible for full trade and move clauses. So I saw that Craig Cutson, I saw that he wrote that yesterday, 
And when I saw him say, can writers be traded? I immediately looked because I'm like, I'm like the goalie that gets loaned to every AHL team. I've written for Detroit, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I'm mostly with Chicago. I've done San Jose, though, helped with Columbus, helped with Winnipeg. So I, I already go to everybody. So I, I don't know where else they could trade me other than to Europe somewhere. But <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, it's definitely good because if they tried to trade you to the Athletic Ottawa, they'd have to retain half your salary. So, <laughs> um, so, so that's probably not going to happen. They probably can't afford to, to pay you and Eric Carlson, although that might not really, you know, He's not gonna might be not be an longer, issue for too much longer. Yeah. <laughs> also, you forget that she has to actually be on the reserve roster for the Golden Knights for 24 hours in order to count as a salary retention as well. So, is that what they ended up doing? It, that's what it I don't sounded even like. No. I think I think I look at the way George McPhee does these trades, and gosh, what's what's uh, I had like like three slam dunk descriptions for it, but then I just settled upon like. George McPhee is the he's the guy with the magnet playing pinball, but he always drops it in the wrong place. Or he's like, all right, I'm going to drop this one in in the in the in the the mega thousand slot. Oh, I just dropped it in the ball return. Well, that stinks. Well, I'll, I'll just try this again. <laughs> like when I saw when I saw the trade, I was like, oh, cool. They you know Pittsburgh picked up Derek Broussard. Ottawa's really doing this. Like they're really getting rid of everyone, aren't they? And then, like, in two hours after that, I saw, oh, they're not actually trading him after all. And I was like, that's weird. And then I saw that it had gone through, but then people are still saying that it hasn't. And <laughs> then I saw that Vegas seems to really only be involved to retain some of Derek Broussard's salary, which seems like, like, people make fun of the Coyotes all the time because they picked <laughs> yeah. up uh, the Pavel Datsuk contract. And they at least, like, got something else out of it. They got Jacob Chikrin, which you guys know Detroit could sorely use him. Yes, so they, yes they, they could. they somehow still at least got value out of that trade. I don't really understand what Vegas gets other than a big old thank you for Marc-Andre Fleury. And people were like, it's, it's because they wanted to keep him away from Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a joke. It's, <laughs> it's a big thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's funny because I remember there, there's this old uh, there's this old Family Guy sketch where they're making fun of the Brady Bunch, where it's like one of the one of the lost Brady children is living in the garage. I think it's Bobby, and like they're all having family dinner. It's like Bobby back in the garage. Where it's like <laughs> after that trade, that's like Brady Bunch is like, all right, uh, George, you have to live in the garage now. Jacob, <laughs> you can eat dinner tonight. <laughs> and he's like high fiving people as he's coming back in, like. That's right, guys. Smarter than the Vegas dude. Let's do this. <laughs> but somehow still losing, so here we oh, are. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, in in the first, I don't know, 10 or 15 episodes of the show, uh, you know, we, we didn't get too many reader questions, and so we started to get a lot more pretty recently, so we want to make sure that we get to, um, you know, at, at least as many as we can. So I'm going to start off with a couple of these. So um, Wingnut send in a few, but I'm going to I'm going to pick this one first. So uh, yeah, he said uh, or she, we don't know. Um, I hear all the time about the butterfly style of changing goaltending. What is the next big change to goaltending technique? Like, so I guess either something that's currently happening, or if you see something that could happen in the future, maybe we're seeing the beginning of it. Uh, in terms of like. I guess because Butterfly is, what, 20 years old now, give or take. Uh, we're sort of at the point where if you can't play the puck to some 
level of respectability, you're not really going to make it. Um, Post-integration, I think, is the next big thing we're starting to see. Like, for a while, we saw guys relying a little bit too much on Butterfly. Um, we're starting to see that a little bit with some post-integration techniques like reverse BH. We're seeing guys sort of hanging out there against their post, whether it's a sharp angle shot or, you know, as soon as the puck comes behind the net, they're like, I'm just going to hang out on the post, end up getting caught basically leaving half their net wide open. Uh, we see it with a lot of younger goaltenders right now. So, and sort of conversely, a lot of the older goaltenders don't know a ton about post-integration. Some of them are, I think Jimmy Howard's one of the ones who's only a year or two into using it all together. Um, so I think that's probably the closest thing, but Butterfly was going from like garbage goaltending to fantastic goaltending. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we can make another leap that that's significant in goaltending because for a while it was really just sort of you threw yourself at the puck you you know the double pad stack kick save poke checks try to kick the puck away you I mean you guys have seen old save percentages there's a reason they were bad (laughs) yeah and then you got you know uh Charles Wong binds the Islanders and he's like we need a sumo wrestler in here uh, and, and I mean, like, like Bill Bray's like, dude, I'm I'm dumb and I make dumb decisions, but come on, like, uh, you know, I, I can't ever my territory. back Mike Milbury on anything because uh, as <laughs> the worst kept secret in hockey media is that of all the teams I've covered, I'm a Bruins fan, and so I don't really cover them because I have like such an atrocious bias. Um, so I'm, like, just waiting for the day that they hire Mike Milbury in, like, a management position. So I, I don't ever ever <laughs> give him any credit for anything. I want him to be, like, bottom of the barrel forever. He, he gets no credit for that. <laughs> yeah, I grew up an Islanders fan, so trust me. I Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm no longer an Islanders fan. I could only do it for so long, and two decades is enough, so. It's... <laughs> I'm I'm a little upset that there's no leap yet because I heard on the street, you know, and again, I have my sources and I have to protect them on this, but there's a rumor that the goaltenders are going to be given shoulder-mounted cannons like the Predator (laughs) to help in terms of shooting the puck out of the air. So They've already um, got magnetic pads that they're testing in Vegas because there's no other explanation for the safe percentages that some of those guys were putting up. So, I mean, maybe that's our big new advancement is magnetic pads, magnetic pucks. You know, <laughs> um, Pete, where, what's what's our next what's our next fun question that we can ask? Because I want to hear from the readers still. OK, yeah. So um, let's see. I'm going to do this next one from Zamlau because um, that's a fun name is, to say. That's why. <laughs> exactly. It, it kind of it kind of sounds like the Shamwow, right? Did they do that um, on purpose or is that their actual name? I don't think so. I, I think it's just a happy accident. Um, <laughs> uh, so here's the question, right? So. Um, is a good goalie, and and, the, and they put in parentheses tier two, right? So, okay. you know, not the top, but, you know, like, you know, a tier two goalie worth four or five million dollars, or should you just spend one to two million on an average goalie and save your cap space uh, for, you know, a, a, another need on your team? And then also, is the answer different for a contender than it is for an up and coming team? So. This is kind of a bizarre question to me because the jump from four to five million to one to two million, you know, that's almost three million. And if you're saving that cap space for a third line center, your team's doing it wrong. You can you can balance that a little better. You can give, you know, three point five to your goaltender, have that tier two guy, and then spend one point five on your third line center if you're spending 
three or four on your third line center, you're doing it very, very wrong. Um, but it it depends. I think that, uh, you know, if you have a guy like Jonathan Quick, who whether you like his style or not is able to win games for his team, if you have Corey Crawford when he's healthy, if you have Lundquist, you don't really need a guy who could be playing 40 to 50 games, which is what I consider that tier two guy, just because you're wasting his talents. You know, you're, you're leaving him on the bench. He's sitting there for, at most, you'll play him 30 games if you have a guy like Lundquist or Crawford. So you're wasting your money if you spend that on a tier two. But, like, I like what Florida did. And obviously this year, you know, Roberto Luongo, he's, he's almost 40 and it's catching up to him. But they spent around that 4 to $5 million, I believe, on James Reimer. And that tandem right there of Luongo and Reimer – if it was healthy all season, that's fantastic. You know, that's that's what you ideally want. Uh, I know that I believe Ryan Miller's making two million in Anaheim right now. Even if they had spent three million on him to go with John Gibson, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Um, when Halak and Grace are healthy, that works really well. Obviously, right now it's backfiring very poorly, but uh, you know, I, I think it's worth it. Um, we, we've obviously seen some teams that get that average goalie that really can't do more than 15 starts. Your starter gets hurt, and then you have, you know, Montreal's situation two years ago when Carey Price went down. Mike Condon's good. He's not a starter. And they just started losing every single game. They went down to, like, third or fourth from the bottom in the league. So I guess, I guess just read your team. Um, in terms of playing with Jimmy Howard, Yes, I think you need someone who's a good tier two guy. You you don't want him getting hurt or regressing. And then, you know, you have who? Is it Jared Coro who would be the next one up? You don't want that to be your backup um, playing 40 games. But that's, that's that's a complex question. They're getting deep here. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had a follow-up that's like kind of a like an offshoot of that because this is always interesting to me from – uh, you know, a, a fantasy hockey perspective, you know, as, you know, getting ready for a fantasy hockey draft and just, you know, just kind of like evaluating trades and things like that. So when you're looking at a goalie who is currently in a backup position, uh-huh. who is doing well in that backup position, and the hope is that they are now going to be ready to make the jump, right? So like this past year we had like Grubauer was kind of in that position. Darling was in that position. Um Vasilevsky, I guess, kind of, although he was, he had kind of really shown something before this season, I think. Um, and Ranta, you know, Auntie Ranta is the other one who, who now is playing very well. He had a terrible, I think he was really hurt. And, he was, he was know, hurt. Yeah. He, he'd been good yeah. like all season. He just like was super broken for a little while. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're looking at goalies, like, like how, like, what are you looking at to try to say, this guy is a backup now, but I think given the right situation with a decent team, you know, it, you know, not a terrible defense in front of him, he could be a good starting goalie. Like, like what are you looking at? Um, I think you have to look first at your own team. You have to look at who your goaltending coach is. You have to see if it's someone who, like, I know up in Winnipeg, Connor Hellebeck uh, has been very vocal because he's, he's a fantastic interview. He was talking to – the athletic guy up in Winnipeg and said that his trainer very strongly advocates for him getting really no more than 60 starts a season. Obviously with some injuries, I think he's going above that, but 60 starts is like their ballpark. 
And that's, that's ideal for a starter. So if you have, you know, your goaltending coach, your trainer, whoever it is that's really advocating for easing your goaltender in, advocating for, you know, communicating, helping the defense get used to this new guy, as long as the goaltender is putting up like a high percentage of quality starts in a backup role, as long as they're not having, you know, super inconsistent starts, uh, you can generally, based on their stats, guesstimate whether or not they're going to do well. You probably want an actual goaltender to take a look at them, say, oh, this guy's getting super lucky or his style may not work behind your team. But for the most part, as long as they're playing well in that backup role and your team doesn't just immediately throw them into 70 starts a season, doesn't try to completely change the style, disregard what they know. Because, like, we saw in Toronto when – uh Freddie Anderson came up, uh, like the worst kept secret up there was that Babcock was requesting in a not super requesty kind of way that he play very aggressively, that he play farther out in his crease. He wanted him outside the blue paint. That's not how Frederick Anderson plays. His numbers were like sub 900 for basically until he could pull himself back in without Babcock noticing. Um, <laughs> once he started playing the right way for him, his numbers went back up and he was fine. Um, so I think that's not how you should approach your goaltending situation. Uh, obviously, it's working out for them now, but it didn't for a little while. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, as long as the guy's getting good numbers, the NHL is the NHL. You know, if you're able to hold on to those starts, especially if they've been a backup for two or three seasons, putting up those good numbers, chances are they're going to be able to at least ease into a starter role. So. Yeah, I, I, th- I think we kind of just solved the mystery of who has been uh, feeding the media reports in Toronto about, you know, Marner and Nylander. It was actually Anderson. He was just getting, you know, hey, guys, <laughs> he's like, Babcock's just going to focus on them. He's like, hey, and he's like, and then I could just like kind of like Homer Simpson with the, you know, into the ivy. I can just slowly back up into my crease and. I mean, yeah, so, so glad to see that worked out. Started winning. Like, once they started scoring a bunch of goals, even though he was playing poorly, like, you can watch if you go back to last season, he starts out mm. outside the blue paint, and then, like, slowly he goes heels <laughs> in, and then the toes come in, and then he's, like, <laughs> about half a foot inside the blue paint altogether. So it's, like, a huge difference. And once yeah. once he moved back in, he started playing well again. And I guess Babcock just left it at that point, didn't want to fight him on it. Mm. But we have seen teams that do I think fight their goaltenders on it, and I'm not going to fully speak to what's happening in Carolina, <laughs> but I get the impression that the coaching style there does not mesh with any goaltender but Cam Ward, which if that's the hill you want to die on, good <laughs> luck. But um, <laughs> I don't really know how else to put it. Um, but, yeah, that's because we've seen Eddie Lack was fantastic in Vancouver. He's obviously doing very well in New Jersey right now. Uh, Scott Darling was fantastic in Chicago. Their other backup had been on Toronto when he went to New York. He obviously continued to play well. He's playing well in Arizona. Really the only place that the goaltenders go to die seems to be Carolina. So at, at that point, I don't think it's the goaltenders. I think it's the system around them. So I could be oh, wrong. Interesting. I could be no, wrong. No, but it's, I mean, it makes sense. Well, so. Philadelphia certainly yeah. isn't kind to their incoming goaltenders sometimes, although hopefully that will not be the case with Mrazek. <laughs> Yeah, we just need four more wins. 
four more wins, and then after that, I mean, like, I, I like the guy. Like, like I have nothing against him personally. You know, I wasn't like, oh, good, get that bum out of here. You know, like, he, you know, like, you know. Um, but you know, I, I basically, I, I, I want him to get four more wins, um, and then I want them to resign him because that way we get the maximum. Uh, or, or I That's think they also have to go to the conference finals. I think it's conference final. I thought it was five games, yeah. including the conference final. But oh, okay, because yeah, I, I know there's definitely something to do with like resigning. Because there's like two picks, and like one of them I think is only if he resigns or something, something like that. So we'll see. I mean, you know, kind of like we had talked about prior to all this happening. Um, it, it seemed very, very unlikely they were going to bring him back. You yeah. know, like they weren't going to qualify him. Uh, so at that point, I mean, you know. You get get whatever you can for him, but you know it it does seem like if they had uh, decided to move on from him earlier, maybe pushed it more aggressively earlier, they could have gotten more for him. But I think they could have held out for something better, just because we've seen. I mean, Cam Talbot managed to fetch, and that was Peter Chiarelli, which mm. we know he overpays, <laughs> but he's he's looking for more goaltending help. So I don't understand why they you know, didn't hold out for the offseason because my, my presumption is that they're not going to hold on to Al Montoya as their number two for next year. Um, but Charlie has surprised me in the past. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are going to be teams that need that tandem help and that could have paid, I believe, more leading up to the draft. But if they thought that they needed to do it now, then, I mean, I, th- I think they could have held out. Philly needs the help right now. Philly badly needed yeah. the help, but oh, they... Yeah. And also, their hockey team is is not doing great. Philly. <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> no, because you said Philly needs to help. So yeah, I, well, I was I getting a little dig for well, I was getting a little dig for our Philly our I, Philly fan friends. Now now that my brain's like actually rolling correctly, I get it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm I'm about five beats behind you guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Catherine, I wanted to get. Sort of technical for a moment. Uh, one of our readers uh, brings up one of my favorite. This is like when we talk about absurd and superfluous arguments or solutions to try and fix a problem. You know, I, maybe one recently being let's give teachers more guns. But I think this one is a little <laughs> bit more ludicrous in, you know, what size pad is going to sate and placate the 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 bloodlust that both the league and fans like is it like half moon shapes filled with sparklers like like is there is you there a goalie what, mask that has you know you what know, will satisfy them is no pads <laughs> what will satisfy them is putting a defenseman in the net um yeah that's that's Ah, that, that question makes me so angry sometimes. <laughs> it's I, I get the curiosity behind it. I don't get the league pushing the question so much because they know better. You would think that they would know enough to ask the goaltenders a little bit. But uh, in terms of the size, um, I like to bring up to people that I'm currently using uh, ASU's ACHA team. Their head coach is a goalie, and he's my size. And so... He, when I moved to Arizona, said, you know, I'm not using my old gear. It's just, you know, it's just sitting in my garage. Can I, can I unload it on you? And I was like, for a year, yes, you can. <laughs> um, and just to put it in perspective, I'm five, six, like buck 40. So I'm not wearing huge pads. I wouldn't be able to walk. Um, 
but each of my leg pads, they're these old Simmons, um, each of them is about nine pounds. And the current, like the the new Bauer Odin models, the CCM Flex Pros, they're about four to four and a half pounds per pad. So pads are getting smaller. They're not getting bigger. People are under the impression that they're like marshmallowing them up each year. The pads themselves <laughs> have been getting smaller and smaller, and it's helping the goalies. That's actually, it's, it's kind of, in, in the goalie circles, we like to laugh about it because the smaller they make our pads, the faster we get and the better we get. So they're really only like, they're trying to solve the problem of increasing scoring and they're actually decreasing it. Cause obviously I can move in and out of butterfly a lot faster in four pound pads than I can in nine. So um, in yeah. theory, the problem is not with the goalie equipment. It's with the shooters, but I know that makes a lot of shooters really mad. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it speaks to one of the – I mean, I hate that there's always a baseball analogy for mostly anything, but uh, <laughs> I think it was uh, James Shields. No, oh, yes, I do. This is the, the same uh, – this isn't let's take a dip, the baseball podcast, okay? You know, like I'm, I'm trying to remember what, like, the most baseball phrase is out there. Like, I oh, you, you got to – Hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hit the ball. Yeah, yeah. Irregardless, yeah. if the shooters oh, want to get mad time. about it, just like the way uh, James Shields puts it, if you don't like it, pitch better. So if hockey shooters don't like it, shoot better. And That's, and what, I, that's yeah. what it comes down to. Um, you'll yeah. see as the years progress, uh, more and more shooters who do want to be proactive have been – going out to goaltending camps over the summer and volunteering as basically like shooter tutors. They they serve as the shooters at these goalie camps over the summer. I believe they go to GGSU. They go to a so that's the Legends camp. You know, they go to the pro goaltending ones. They, you know, almost every goalie coach has his summer program. And if NHLers want to, they can come out and practice with those guys. So they're getting to see all of the techniques that the goalies are learning. They're getting to watch them practice and they're getting to shoot on them. So every every shooter should be wanting to do that. That should be, like, they should be jumping on that because it's two weeks out of their summer. That's nothing. But a lot of them are like, we don't need to do that because as long as the goalie stops the puck, I don't care how he does it. And, like, <laughs> that's dumb because as long as if you don't care how he stops the puck, goalie's going to stop you too. But that's, that's my thought. I'm, I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it could have to do with the materials that they're made out of. Like, I saw, I saw this small little documentary this this weekend about this this uh, this country in Africa where they have this special material, and it, it seems like it has a lot of uses. <laughs> so, I'm just picturing like Carey Price puts on his goaltending helmet, and all of a sudden, like Man, the, the rest vibrating. of the pads just like materialize. Um, but yeah, oh so. Just for a moment, I think, just I think, for a moment, can we yeah. all just, like, focus on just how stupid cool it would be if goaltenders absorb the kinetic energy of ridiculous <laughs> slap shots and then release it on guys who are trying to muscle them out of their own crease? Luke oh, my God. We just solved this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just solved the Zach Ronaldo problem. Oh, there oh. we go. It's like, hey, Shea Weber took a shot at me. Awesome. Hold on, Zach Ronaldo. Here you go. Boom. 
Done. Okay, we fixed it. We fixed it. Man, this is this is great. Like, like once an episode, like we seem to fix a problem. Uh, this fever dream of, of Shea Weber and Zach Ronaldo being on the same team, though, I like it. Um, maybe Montreal yeah. will pick him up this off season. Well, uh, see, I was thinking his. Own, I was thinking Ronaldo's own goalie would do it. Oh no! The, the Coyotes, act, <laughs> apart from the whole Samuel Gerrard sucker punch thing, which I understand but do not defend. <laughs> like I, he's dumb. He's dumb, yeah. and he he made a. I don't think he was being malicious, but he made a dumb move, and he deserved to get suspended for it. But other than that, he's been really for a fourth line forward. Let me preface it: he's been good. <laughs> he's a, um, he only has thirty nine penalty minutes all year, and fifteen of those come from that Colorado game. <laughs> well, you know, so he he, like he's like, I gotta get him in this year. I gotta get him in when I get the chance. Uh, so, so we got a few more minutes, uh, but I wanted to make sure I get to this this one question. Um, so, um, so Austin, Austin with a five and seven S, which is cool, um, <laughs> asked this question. And so, like, this is the, I definitely want to talk about you know the Red Wings goalie situation. Uh, you know, so I thought this is a good way to do it. So basically, here's what he said: Out of these goalies, who do you see making the NHL f- full time? How far do you see these guys being out from the from that point? And then he lists Philip Larson. Um, I don't know how is it Pottleberg and Keith Petrozzelli. Um, so I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know as much as I should about Philip Larson. I should be able to see more of him because he's playing for Denver next year. But we have to assume that he's not going to be hitting the pros at least until he gets a year, maybe two under his belt in Denver. Um, the good news is that he'll be playing in Denver, which is, I mean, they're a fantastic team. Um, bad news is he'll be playing behind a very good defense, so he's not going to get shelled, so he's not really going to learn necessarily what it's like to play behind a bad college hockey team because um, he seems to be doing really well with Tri-City this year as well, and they're they're a stronger team, so that's, it's not like he's being super tested. Um, I don't know much about him beyond that. I do know that Keith Petrozelli is uh, being com- completely biased. I'll say he's He's my pick to make the NHL just because he's been – he's not having his best season this year in the NCAA. But uh, in the past, you know, he's been pretty solid, uh, and I, I like his style. He's not – generally when you see these guys that are putting up the really good numbers in youth hockey, it's because they have the super great reflexes. They, they make these crazy, like Tyler Parsons flipping his hand behind his head and sticking <laughs> his foot up behind his ear, and next thing you know, he stopped the puck. Uh, you don't see a ton of that out of Petrozelli. He's he's a little bit calmer. He's playing more technique-based, which the downside to that is he's not going with his feeling as much because he's trying to train himself, you know, to, to play his post-integration correctly, to play his depth correctly. He's not just, you know, just throwing himself out there. But uh, he is learning. And so, you know, give him another, I want to say, two or three years before he goes pro given maybe a year or two in the AHL, maybe three. Patrick Demko's clearly needing a little bit more time in Vancouver, uh, so it's not a bad thing. And then I'd assume, based on how he plays right now, that he'd be NHL ready. But I've been proven wrong before. I've been very high on goalies that have done very poorly, so it's it's a little bit voodoo. So Just a little bit, yeah. Just a little. It, <laughs> it really depends on how they how they react to the changing speed of the game. And uh, I know that um, Mike McKenna, he's 
like the career minor leaguer of the NHL. Um, he did a big long thing for In Goal Magazine a couple of years back about how it's not necessarily the speed once you get to the AHL and the NHL. It's how many more options each guy has. You know, a guy who's playing in the ECHL may be able to skate as fast as some of the guys that are playing in the AHL, but he only has one or two options when he comes down to face the goaltender. A guy in the AHL has two or three. Some guys in the NHL have five or six. So it's, you know, being able to read these guys who are infinitely more talented with their stick um, that really makes the difference. And some guys just can't read that as well, and they don't end up doing well. But conservatively guessing, I think he's he's your best bet. But I don't, I don't know anything about the other one, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I forget where Van Puttelberg, I believe, is how you say it. That's, that's a fantastic I, name. I'm not sure. That's the yeah. best name. That's the best goalie name. <laughs> um, I, I don't know where – I believe he's playing in Austria or something like that, but uh, I, I I haven't watched him. So I will not give people incorrect uh, – <laughs> I, I won't pull something out of my butt for them because I think that's I'm, not fair. I'm pretty sure his family probably owns a castle. That kind of sounds <laughs> like that type of a name. Yeah, that's, God, yeah. that's such a good name. I think we're all overlooking the great – uh, advantage of both of them, uh, or even all three of them, but uh, but preferably these two, or the benefit of them actually making the league at the same time for the same team, because having a tandem of Petrozelli Van Pottelberg, that, <laughs> I mean, that's, um, I don't know. It sounds I, made up. It, it does. It sounds, it it does, sounds yeah. like they made it up for a hockey movie. And oh, about yeah. that. They, they like yeah. they think they've got the right European country to make up the names for the hockey players, and they picked the wrong ones. But um, yeah, they're like Mighty Ducks Four. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make yeah. it. Let's write it. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but remember, <laughs> we still we still live in the timeline where Jacques Lecoq Grand in the in the Love Guru exists. So oh. I really want Van Gogh. <laughs> I had blocked that movie out of my mind. I had, I completely wiped it, and now now I'm just sad. Well, you should be sad because what it was what that movie served as it was the great shining beacon for the 30 other teams to say out loud to Toronto. Isn't it funny? The only way you can win a Stanley Cup is in a fake in a fake scenario. God, you guys suck. And now they're good now, and now that movie doesn't have its place in history anymore. So we have to figure something else out. Um, uh, all right, uh, Catherine, uh, I want to close out this fun little chit-chat that we've had here with um, uh, a small, uh, probably inconsequential question that really nobody ever pays any attention to, which is... Don't oversell it. Goalie superstitions. That's right, folks. We are not strangers to the concept that goalies have... They don't just have screws loose. They have... They have several components missing. In in the words of of Captain Malcolm Reynolds, did that thing just fly off my ship? So, uh, Catherine, what goalie superstitions do you have? What goalie superstitions have you heard about? In the mailbag, this person saying they heard a story about Manny Legacy wearing a paper clip on his ear before games. I'm actually going to be at the Wings game uh, sometime soon, and he's there. I could actually probably do some uh, investigative reporting on this, but... What have you heard? What have you seen? Because um, goaltenders have all the fun. Uh, I think that for a lot of goalies, it's not one particular superstition. It's uh, like 
for the longest time um, after I moved to Phoenix, the guy who runs the pro shop here is a former pro goalie. Um, and he kept bugging me about the fact that I like graph skates. And he was like, they're so heavy. They're like wearing bricks on your feet. And I was like, they make me feel centered. He was like, they're weighing you down. I was like, they make me feel centered. I think I'd like fly off the ice if I had lighter skates. And he's like, stop. Just stop. <laughs> and he was like, I won't sell you another pair of graphs if you ruin the ones you have right now. Like, I'm, I'm not doing it. You need to get in some lighter skates. You won't believe how fast you move. And I was like, I won't, I won't know how to stop. And so like, just completely irrational stuff that like, I know some guys stick with pads that like, even if the pad itself may not be the best one for their particular style, they're like, this is the one that I love. And like <laughs> some guys use like, like I know that uh, Ben Bishop has said that he will never use a dangler and may- maybe he'll eat his word someday, but um, he was like, I will never or use a, a dangler. They will, well, <laughs> that'll happen first. Then he'll, then he'll eat his word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was like, because it's, it's distracting and it's bad. And like, you, you don't need it. And I was like, I, I like my vocal cords, but maybe you don't. I don't know. Um, so, you know, it's just like little things, like little idiosyncrasies that maybe are super irrational. Um, but I knew, I do know that a decent number of goalies have their weird superstitions, like before the game. Uh, I know that Carter Hart caused a big fuss this year. He's Flyers' future heir apparent um, because he has to be the last one off the ice or he, he'll lose the game, um, oh. like, forever. And so he, he, like, has to be the last one off the ice for both teams. And I think it was, like, the Swiss goalie for the other team didn't get the memo and, like, tried to wait him out. And he stayed there, and he delayed the game by, like, five or ten minutes, just, like, waiting on the ice. And oh people God. were getting, like, actually angry about it. They were like, if you seriously can't get your head back in the game, if you were the second to last person off the ice and like, there's something wrong with you, but he, he waited, he waited the guy out and he sure enough, like he was the last one off the ice, but he waited a while. So that's, that's a weird one to me. Cause like, <laughs> just, just get off the ice. Um, and that was, that was oh after warmups. That was, uh, I know Henrik Lundqvist taps his stick on the wall for each period. Like he taps it once for the first, twice for the second. Um, some guys tap one post once, other one twice. Some like to, I know that one of the Coyotes prospects skates to the end of the ring, like to the corner mm. after he gets scored on, turns around, comes back, and will not pick up the puck to, like, take it out of the net. He lets other people do it so he can clear his head. Um, that's, like, his thing. Um, wow. So, yeah. There, there are some weirdos I'm out sure there. Lundquist, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lundqvist has started, like, like slashing his defenders after each period. Yeah, no, he, he no longer hits the wall. He hits them. Um, <laughs> people get mad about that, though. He's so disrespectful to his defenders. I'm like, they're so disrespectful to him. Like, in <laughs> yeah. <his> life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an entire, like, that could that could be a podcast in itself. So. Yeah. Well, saving Lundqvist. <laughs> yes, 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 saving, saving Lundqvist. Tuesdays on NBC. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Catherine, thanks so much for, for these uh, uh, glittering insights into the, the, the goaltending world. And I'm not saying that facetiously, and I know it sounds like because <laughs> I, I did the tone of my voice. It's naturally patronizing, so I apologize. But in all sincerity, like, the, the world of goaltending I don't think gets enough uh, coverage, and uh, I, I really think every – there's an episode of Top Gear a long time ago <laughs> – where uh, uh, James May, 
I, I know, I know. We're, 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 cover, we're covering all the angles here. For those of you playing uh, for sure bingo at home, I just netted you $800. You're welcome. Uh, they, James May went up in a Blackbird for like above subsonic atmosphere thing, and he said something to the effect of if politicians and, and, and world leaders took this trip, they would have a greater understanding about what they're governing. And so taking a spin on that, with your guidance, what I'd like to do is have every NHL GM and owner – get tied to their own goalposts a la Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks and just get mercilessly pounded to, to show you that this is a job that you, in order to understand it, you need to experience it. You so, would think that, but somehow Garth Snow is a goalie. So That's true. That is true. He's, yeah. he's, not, he's not doing the nicest things to his goalies. He, re- he rode three goalies for two years. Jeff mm-hmm. Berube was quoted saying that he was kept in pr- in a prison of just sitting there and not being so. That was a goalie that did that to him. Well, what a what a tar- what what that sucks that that's the only tarnish on Garth Snow's career. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only problem oh, ever had. Unbelievable. A hundred positives, one negative, and like you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, folks, uh, you can find Kevin on the Twitter sphere at cat, C-A-T-M, M is in Mark, but let's just stick with M, Silverman. Uh, again, she works for the lovely publication In Goal and for the Athletic Chicago. Catherine, uh, by the time this episode airs, you will you may have been traded to Toronto. So again, congratulations on your new uh, on your new change of scenery. Um, we wish you all the best, and so very much for coming on. Absolutely, thank you for having me. We're going to talk about uh, the the trade uh, deadline because, like I said, as you're listening to this, the trade deadline is has either already happened or it is uh, quickly approaching, and there's a very good chance that at least one major trade will be made between the time we record this, which right now it is 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, and the time that you listen to this, um, at, at least one major trade probably, but. First, we're going to spend some time breaking down um, definitely one of the most major trades, I think, in quite some time in the NHL, kind of, uh, you know, really, really set the league on fire. Um, people are still trying to figure out all the details, all the ins and outs and all the all the what have yous. And I, of course, am talking about the Edmonton Oilers trading Brandon Davidson to the Islanders for a third round pick. A lot of moving parts here, people, a lot of moving parts here. It's a little hard to grasp, but just stick with us. Yeah. I'm really glad that my chair is on rollers in my office because I was definitely in danger of falling out of it. Um, If it was stationary, I think I just would have leaned back in comically in slow motion. And then I just would have crashed to the floor which would have been terrible because I would have had to edit that out of the podcast, and that, you know, that would take like at least a minute probably. But yeah, so okay. All kidding aside, we are going to talk about the 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 big trade that happened yesterday. But before we do that, you know, we we do have that little minor trade. It's it's kind of weird because the Islanders are clearly a team that needs help to make the playoffs. They were. You know, they had a lot of injury on their back end. Calvin DeHaan being out really hurt them. Johnny Boychuk being out, he's back now, really, really hurt them. 
you know, everybody kind of rags on their goaltending, but if you look at, you know, the numbers of shots they give up, uh, I mean, you, you kind of have to be superhuman to, um, you know, to really perform well on that team as a goalie. And, so, you know, it's very clear that they, they you know, if they were going to make the playoffs, they needed defensive help. So it seems strange to me that Garcinow waited until today, and his big thing was to acquire a maybe third-pairing defenseman? Like, like, like with, with so many other options out there, it seems like he could have done better. But, you know, w- w- uh, what are your initial thoughts on this? Of course they could do better. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm, just once I'd love to do a Christopher Guest-style documentary about NHL trade deadlines because I feel like the, the image of, like, Mike McKeon and Christopher Guest like always missing each other's calls to try and work out a trade, and then and then Eugene Levy is like playing, you know, like Don Sweeney or 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 Peter Shirelli, just just like talking, like he's practicing his lines to a mirror, but he he didn't realize that like there was another GM in the bathroom with him, and he just agrees. Like I I think these types of moves are I don't know. Do they feel lateral to you, Peter? Like. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know why they did this. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the point was. Like at this point, like that's not really a trade that moves the needle for yep. you. Yep. And so, I mean, it's it's it, it's so weird because, okay, they just re-signed Josh Bailey to what seems to be a pretty fair value deal. He got six years, which I think is probably a little on the high side. Um, you know, although sometimes you have to give up a year to get the AAV down, you know, the the uh, the AAV down to where you want it to be. And so from what I remember, he came in at $5 million. So $5 million for six years, $30 million total. For what he's doing, you know, this year, that's that's not bad. I mean, he, he was a first-round pick. He was definitely somebody who they really have had high hopes for for a very long time, and he didn't really kind of come into his own until this year. And so, so you sign Josh Bailey long term. Okay, great. So that kind of indicates that you are moving forward as opposed to rebuilding, right? You know, you're moving forward. You're trying to make the playoffs. You're trying to keep him on your team. Obviously, the elephant of the room is John Tavares, and it's. I, I really think that we're heading for a world in which the Islanders are going to lose John Tavares for nothing. Like, I really think at this point, to me, that's the most likely scenario. It seems like they're not going to trade him, and which I understand. You know, I understand you not wanting to trade him. But at the same time, like, it really seems like they're not going to trade him, and I don't think he's going to come back. So you're going to lose a franchise player for nothing. And that's not good. <laughs> just, just, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I, I know th- those of you listening out there, you might not follow the league as, as closely as I do. And so, you know, you're not capable of that, you know, really insightful comment I just made. But, yeah, it's it's not good. I, I mean, it, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> but, like, for me, Pete, I, I just have no problem on – Listen, I, my my team hasn't done any meaningful trade deadline things in, like, years. So mostly this time of year is reserved for me to just be Elmo in that gif of him watching a nuclear pil- a nuclear uh, <laughs> plume 
in the background, you know, the mushroom cloud. It's like, or or when I hear those trades like that, I'm instantly Louise uh, Belcher from Bob's Burgers laughing maniacally in front of a wall of flame. I <laughs> want everything and nothing to do with these trades. Um, okay, uh, so that was that was fun to, to hear about with uh, with, with Tavares, who's going to look really nice in red and white um, at some point. Uh, but can we talk about the uh, what's What's the best way to describe this trade? Uh, I don't know. If we wanted to describe it as a lunchtime, give me your snack pack plus your milk for the next two days type arrangement. That's right, folks. The 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 strange and winding the long and winding road from for Derek Broussard to get to Pittsburgh. So um, now it, yeah. it's it's finalized now. Obviously, yes. the league at one point did not like it. Um, I, it's very surprising to see their ability to um, avoid something like this, but still have no idea what goal interference is. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I like this trade based solely on that a lot of things got moved, and that <laughs> uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are a enigma wrapped in a mystery, surrounded by uh, a burrito. By a burrito. In a burrito bowl, in a uh, a giant pile of what what the hillary? So yeah, uh, and that's what we call fourth meal. That's that's fourth meal, boys. Yeah, that's fourth meal. So the Penguins got Brassard, Vincent Dunn, Tobias Lindbergh, and Ottawa's 2018 third round pick. The Ottawa Senators got Ian Cole, goalie Philip Gustafson, a 2018 first rounder, and a 2019 third rounder. And then the Vegas Golden Knights got the charred remains of Ryan Reeves and the 2018 fourth-round pick, which was from Vancouver. So um, Vancouver via Pittsburgh. Uh, now, that sounds pretty simple the way I said it, right, Pete? <laughs> but it's not. It's really not <laughs> because, well, as we spoke, as we, you know, we talked a little bit about it in our interview today, but – these trade conditions, man, and, like, how the league is structured in order to get this stuff done, I, I don't know. Where's the NHL 24-7 special about how you work this stuff out? Well, yeah, because the, the Vegas Golden Knights retained 40% of Derek Broussard's salary. So they not only got probably pretty close to the worst NHL hockey player in here. Um, oh, I'm, I'm probably being a little hyperbolic. Reeves is okay. But then they got the worst pick out of this, and they got to take on salary of a player who will never play for them. So, like, that's not really what you call, like, a win-win. It's not really, you know, when you're going to GM school and they're like, these are the days that you, you know, you want to you wanna take a clipping and put it in your scrapbook so that when you retire and you're sitting at your cottage, you look back on the good old days and you're like, ah, this... This was a great trade because I I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand how Vegas could think this is something we should do. Like, I I don't understand. I mean, Pittsburgh clearly wins the trade, at least in the short term. Obviously, Ottawa, you know, Ottawa gets what they want in their, their shedding salary and they're taking on a first-round pick that they'll probably trade in five years. 
So they get to have him for a little while. But, I mean, I can get it from Ottawa's perspective, although I think that they're, they're, they're clearly losing out on the trade. Pittsburgh, I mean, just Jim Rutherford, like he's he's a wizard. Like we just need to, <laughs> we just need to like like make his robe now because it's like like he always seems to get in trouble. Like he always seems to back himself into a corner, and it's like, hey, you guys will help me out, right? <laughs> and they're like, sure, sure, Jim, we'll we'll, we'll give you, we'll we'll help you out here. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a clear win for Pittsburgh, and it's a clear loss for everybody else. Um, and it's kind of like a this should be the the if we're talking about win loss, it's like this is the the relegation for the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights because this is it's just it's just so bad from their perspective. Unless there's something else coming up, which I guess there could be, but it's just I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense for them. Um, but now Pittsburgh is going to clearly be, if not the favorite, definitely one of the favorites. I think for me now, this 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 puts them up there as my as my Stanley Cup favorite. Um, just the way they've been playing down the stretch, adding Brassard. So now they have now they have three centers. They have this guy named Crosby, another gentleman named Malkin, and so Derek Brassard is their third center where he really should be a first-line center. Um, and so, yeah, you're going to have Brassard and Kessel on the third line, because that's fair. So, yeah, good, good job. Good job, everybody, helping out Pittsburgh. Well, I know where you were talking about, like, you know, what, what if there's something else that's, that's, that's coming for this? What if, stick with me, Pete, what if hmm. Derek Brassard scores a bunch of goals before the playoffs start, and then they're like, oh, by the way, one of the secret trade conditions was every goal that Broussard scores, Vegas gets half of them. So by <laughs> the end of the season, Vegas is playing these games where just before puck drop, they're like, and let's just allocate uh, two and a half goals from the Broussard trade. And looks like the Minnesota Wild is going to start the first down two and a half goals. So basically Vegas has retained salary and retained half goal production. That's that's pretty incredible. Yes, <laughs> you know when you say the words McPhee and Innovator, you wonder why you're saying them together. <laughs> but uh, the world may never know. Okay, so um, you know as you've heard, we have uh, some trade deadline stuff. By the time you listen to this, I think there's a very good chance that Eric Carlson will be a Tampa Bay Lightning uh, player. Although there are other teams that he potentially could be going to. Um, it, it definitely seems like a lot of the fire is around there, um, and in which case, uh, I, if we play Tampa again, I'm just not going to watch those games because that's just that's just not going to be very much fun uh, to watch Hedman and Carlson on the same team. Uh, but yeah, I think I think all the signs are pointing towards towards that happening. Um, so so we'll see. So anyway, before we wrap this up, I got a quick uh, quick fan mail uh, email that I have to read. So. This comes from uh, Leif Jensen, and I think I'm pronouncing that right. I actually looked it up because this is one of those names that could be pronounced differently in different parts of the world. So if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I apologize. And Jay, you'll understand why uh, momentarily. So here's what he says. Hi. So Norwegian Red Wing fan here. I'm enjoying listening to your podcast at work either on Monday or Tuesday after it's released, and I'm usually quite happy with it. But this time around, I have to object loudly. 
didn't find Jay's email, so I'm telling you. Oh. Granted, I didn't look too hard, but I'm giving you the ammo to use it against him. Oh, God. But please tell him that us Norse peoples will no longer allow ourselves to be erased. Zuccarello played for Norway in 2010. The first time he said it, it made me chuckle. The second time, it made me question my own nationality. The third time, oh, that is strike three, buddy. Keep an open eye out on the Detroit River. The long boats are coming. <laughs> and my national pride would have loved to see him with the winged wheel on his chest, but I suppose we'll have to sell, settle for fellow Scandinavians instead. Apart from that, I quite like your podcast. It is good fun, playful, and factual all at once, and thankful not as angry as one might expect with the state of the team at the moment. Anyways, keep it up. So I, I thought I would share that with you. So... Okay, um, Leif, you got me. Um, I was merely uh, remarking on that Olympics uh, solely based on memory, and uh, I uh, have a very fuzzy memory when it comes to color, and uh, if you notice that most of the uh, time that Zuccarello played during that uh, tournament, he was wearing a very dark shade of red, which is the same color that you share with Swiss. So I am sorry uh, profusely for uh, lumping you in with those uh, those fine people over at the uh, knife-making factory that is the Swiss Army Watch and Knife. Um, there's no excuse for what I did other than that, <laughs> that I, that I could have looked it up. You're right. I could have straight looked it up. But I thought, uh, you know, just like back in the olden days where without the Internet, all you had to do was say an opinion with authority and people just believed you. But, you know, we're in a different age now, and you're right. So as as penance, uh, I have currently, as I was talking right now, just bought a $275 Zuccarello Team Norway jersey. <laughs> and I hope that I hope that is enough for you. But if it's not, please feel free to write us back. Um, I, I got to tell you. It, 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 I, I, I'm not proud. I'm not happy. I have to look, I have to look inward for um, uh, 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 at least some sort of uh, uh, way to just get myself back to uh, the ability to, to look at myself in the mirror again. So, um, uh, and, and again, you can look on the internet. The Swiss and the and the Norway jerseys looked pretty similar that year. So I'm sorry it. Uh, Sorry it uh, melded that way in my brain. So thank you for listening, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll send you a picture when I get my Zuccarello jersey in the mail. You're going to love it. <laughs> All right, so now that we have that cleared up, we are going to wrap up Episode 17 of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. So thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we have a really good time doing it, and we're glad that you guys have a good time listening. Uh, so all that is left is for our traditional closing segment, Doc Emmerich's verb of the episode. So, Jay, take it away. What do we have this time? Well, I had one word already set up, but because uh, you rightly sprung <laughs> um, a, uh, a certain fan mail uh, note on me, I have, oh, to, I have to. I have to call an audible. And um, <laughs> in light of certain uh, circumstances, I uh, I'm not saying this about the episode. I'm saying this about me. So, um, for Today's word is fanned, as in I completely <laughs> fanned on attributing the correct country to Matsukurelos and so. And Jay's to... But you were also a fan of his. 
Yes. Yes. And, and right? yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I listen, you're, you're, I'm in the moment, right? All right. I screwed yeah. up. I really fanned on this one, you guys. <laughs> and I'm trying to get oh, my Emerson okay. impression up. So let's, to the point, <laughs> fanned on it. That's exactly what I did. This was, this was somebody, <laughs> somebody watching me clearly able and willing to do the work, just deciding not to. Like, Jay's going to make that <laughs> reference and fans on it. So. Well, I mean, to be fair, I didn't catch it. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, obviously, if I had known, I would have. I would have said something. So I didn't. I didn't know myself. So I am not going to allow you to take the 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 the, the full fall here. I just thought that, I just thought it'd be really funny, and it was. It was for everybody listening except for one person. Yes. So remember, folks, uh, you can follow all of my inaccurate ramblings on Twitter at, at <laughs> Roar underscore 24. You can follow Pete's clandestine and completely always true Twitter at P. Flynn, at P. Flynn Hockey. And you can follow our shenanigans at 200FootPod, 200FTPOD. Uh, Peter, I have to go into the mountains and <laughs> never talk to anyone ever again <laughs> and make sure I have a good uplink to Wikipedia and actually get people's countries right. Well, it's good because I think uh, I think those uh, those walks those mountain walks of shame only take about fourteen days, and so we will be right back at you in two weeks with another episode. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure.